0: climate discussion nexus i'm john robson here to kick off this latest readout video from our wednesday wakeup newsletter by making a familiar point that if people use climate alarmism as a lever to propose a radical reconstruction of our society it doesn't mean global warming is a ruse a hoax or a fraud it means they have this all-encompassing cosmic awareness that all bad things are one, and that they can save us from ourselves if they're given sufficient authority to order our doings, our comings, and our goings. And I bring it up again at this point because news has trickled out from lovely Canterbury, England, that the city council there has devised plans to ban driving between neighborhoods by 2045. Instead, to get between the five new zones they're creating, the inhabitants will have to trek out to a, quote, new bypass, essentially a much larger outer ring road, before re-entering their chosen zone, end quote. But of course, if you just didn't have a car, as you very well may not by then, well then, these rules wouldn't be inconvenient, now would they? So it's all part of our betters reimagining life, possessions, the meaning of existence, and the nature of democracy. Or possibly not. Because the telegraph warned that this crazy scheme, still in place this spring, quote, will cost the Conservatives the next election party rebels have warned, end quote. Yes, the Conservatives it's not some loony left Labour or Green Council. The political right has drunk the green Kool Aid. So it's a Tory run city council that wants to make driving a nightmare so people will walk and cycle instead, aided by surveillance cameras and so forth to catch you if you make inappropriate choices and help you accumulate paranoia, if nothing else. But I mean, who among us doesn't dream of cycling home with whatever groceries we can still afford given the insane cost of home heating, especially if we're elderly or we have some kind of physical handicap? And note too that some curmudgeons, like me, think that the way to get people to walk instead of driving, if it's any of your business, is to make getting about on foot a lot more convenient. And even some adherents to nudge theory, which is basically social engineering on the moral cheap, feel the same way. The problem is, humans pretty much figured out how to walk around thousands of years ago. So when it turns out to be hard for the projectors to improve on it, what these kinds of policies normally come down to is making driving a lot less convenient and then telling you to smile and say thank you, because one thing they do know how to do is make things less convenient, more miserable, and more expensive. But why is there political consensus on this approach instead of the vigorous debate of the sort that self-government was pretty much created to foster? And here, Jay Budgechewski recently made an interesting point. He said, quote, Most people have not yet caught up with the facts about our new elites. The Occupy Wall Street protesters a decade ago couldn't have been more oblivious to the state of affairs they thought they were protesting because, he says, Wall Street is already occupied. So are the other centers of power such as Silicon Valley and Washington, D.C. Social revolutionaries aren't found in fields and factories anymore, but in mansions, townhouses, and executive suites, end quote. Think not Mao Zedong, but Mark Zuckerberg is his advice. And then he adds, quote, In times gone by, the vain and the proud could either glory in self-serving power and privilege or parade their supposed courage for upsetting the bad old status quo, never both. But now, they're the very same people, end quote. So, if Canterbury really does impose this ban, you can bet that just as John Kerry and Justin Trudeau have kept their private jet travel, city council limousines will be exempt. But no... It's not a plot, it's just how they think the world should be, with them on top. And as for who's not on top, the latest Canadian federal budget was certainly of a parody of the borrow and spend approach that's all too common across the democratic world nowadays. And left-wing activists were delighted and then asked for more, and more, and more, including on climate. But those in the reliable energy business who hope for, let us say, a stay of execution, will be lucky to be dispatched with a newish axe. A Canadian press story reports that, quote, as the world struggles to find the right balance between a carbon-free future and a present that still runs on fossil fuels, Canada could be leveraging its natural gas riches to help fuel both, a new report suggests, end quote. So, guess what won't be happening? Right. This report from the Canadian Chamber of Commerce apparently, quote, urges the federal government to finally get serious about building the infrastructure necessary to fast-track the extraction and export of liquid natural gas, end quote. Well, no, because they want net zero, and that means natural gas has to go. But again, this isn't a plot. The people in power are perfectly frank about it, and if their new world of alternative energy is a fantasy, it's one they seriously mistake for sober reality. In the newsletter, we also note that Scientific American continues its descent into partisan polemics with, quote, wealthy countries have blown through their carbon budgets, end quote, and, quote, fast deep cuts in emissions are needed to avoid climate time bomb, end quote, and, quote, see how much climate change has cost different countries, end quote, and... Of course, quote, fascism's history offers lessons about today's attacks on education, end quote, which you don't need to be told, especially if you're Americans, portrays Republican Governor Ron DeSantis as Mussolini. And we emphasize that Joe Biden's Trade Board 3 rages on with, quote, the threat of new U.S. solar tariffs is back, end quote. Also, back in March we ridiculed the fantasy Canadian Northern Corridor, only to have an alert reader inform us that a similar project was planned with much fanfare back in 1967. Back then it was the Mid-Canada Development Corridor and nobody had heard of global warming, but just as today, nothing ever came of it. Oh, and on the climate hypocrisy front, the Canadian Environment Ministry is pretending to mend its ways after the string of high-living public sector travel scandals in this country turned out also to include, quote, Canadian delegates to a climate change conference booked a luxury resort rated one of the least environmentally friendly hotels in Sharm El Sheikh, Egypt. Room rates ranged from $405 to $1,300 a night at the resort with a mediocre green star rating but 13 bars, end quote. So they're feeling no pain at high energy prices or from anything else. Now, speaking of plots involving Davos and the WEF and so on, One odd thing about Climate alarmists is that, with rare exceptions, their cosmic worldview includes that nothing that humans do can ever be good, even when it's supposed to benefit the environment. Hence, we come across a recent paper entitled, quote, A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing, Exposing the Structural Violence of Private Electric Automobility, end quote. Now, as soon as you encounter such labor terminology as automobility, you know you're far from the real world of human experience, and deep in a postmodern house of mirrors, where the truth is that there is no truth, except for left-wing political orthodoxy. So, the Wolf's abstract claims, quote, the world is running out of time to avoid cataclysmic climate impacts, end quote. But, quote, the electrification of private automobility is neither effective nor end quote, and instead quote, not only maintains existing inequities but also increases social injustice end quote. So everyone will have nothing, not even an EV, and they'll be happy or else. Okay, you might have a home run. Supposedly climate change has made baseball more interesting by causing about 50 extra home runs a year since 2010 by making air hotter and thus thinner. Which we admit is bad if you're a pitcher, even if fans prefer it, although surely the same condition gives you an extra yard or so on your heater, at the risk of reducing the bite on the breaking stuff. But that's not the real point. The real point is that if global heating has already ruined America's national time, then the bad, as well as good if you're mighty Casey, effects of climate change kicked in at least 15 years ago. Which is one more sign that you can say just about anything if it involves climate, and that the issue of whether climate doom is here merely looms, or both at once, continues to funnel alarmists. You can also say Happy Earth Month or Earth Day because for some reason April is Earth Month and April 22nd is Earth Day, almost as though the return of warmer weather was good or that environmentalists needed their own version of Easter. But apparently it's not very happy. In fact, National Ge- Geographic actually concedes that it was kind of mean to traumatize kids with a doom narrative, quote, negative climate news can bring children down, end quote. As someone said, quote, climate change is hidden threat, grief and trauma. As natural disasters grow worse and more frequent, fear about what the future holds is increasingly entering the therapy room, end quote. Uh, someone being uh, National Geographic. So now, it urges us to, quote, cheer them up with these animal success stories about comeback critters like gray wolves, giant pandas, golden lion tamarins, Florida manatees, and southern white rhinos, end quote not one of which is climate-related as far as we can see, but hey kids, uh, never mind that we told you the world is ending, just cuddle your doomed panda and think some happy thoughts in the brief time you have left. On a cheerier note, at least for geeks, we continue our cool climate data series with the Archive of Canada's official historical temperature and precipitation records back to, in some cases, the mid-1800s. If you don't live in Canada, we say they're still useful for comparisons, and we urge you to see if there's something comparable in your country and share it with us so we can do more fun series. Meanwhile, we'll show you why these Canadian records are so valuable in comparing climate reality to alarmist theory. As we said, it's April which in Ontario and central Canada means giant swings in temperature depending essentially on wind direction. One day it can be zero degrees Celsius and snowy from Arctic cold blowing down from the north, then the next day sunny and warm with a southern breeze, as it always has been. And with easy access to these daily records, we can show that it's not unusual. For example, the Toronto daily temperature record for April 1842, that's 181 years ago, so long before your gas stove cooked the planet, showed an overnight low on April 1st of 0.0 degrees Celsius and a high the next day of 18.3. On the 11th, the high was 17.2, but on the 14th, it plunged to minus 2.2 overnight, and so on and so on. That April 22nd, the high reached 32.2. Imagine what they'll say if we get that sort of number in 2023. Unprecedented doom looms, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and from the settled science department comes news that chemicals long known to affect the ozone layer have also caused more warming, especially in the Arctic, than previously thought. A new study by scientists in Canada, the US, the UK, and Austria found, though admittedly based on model simulations, so caveat emptor, that CFCs were likely responsible for about 30% of global warming generally from 1955 to 2005, and about 37% of Arctic warming in particular. Weird, huh? By 2005, we were already being told that the science was settled and that the dominant role of CO2 in causing climate change had been proven beyond rational dispute. But 18 years later, it turns out, to no sensible person's surprise, that things were not as simple as we were told. Plus ça change. And another thing, from the CO2science.org archive, we find an intriguing 2009 paper in physics reports by Qing Bin Lu, who is associated with three different departments at Canada's University of Waterloo. That would be physics and astronomy, biology and chemistry, so he might be a climate scientist. The paper looks at the cosmic ray-driven electron-induced reaction mechanism, or CRE model, for ozone depletion, as opposed to the older photochemical model. But near the end, he made some original observations about the possible effect of CFCs on warming, suggesting again that the carbon pollution monomaniacs had it wrong. So for the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and I won't be bullied out of my car by scientifically ignorant zealots.